Test, test. Hey, Ben Lawrence. Paul Goody. How's, How's it going? going? Ah, we did it. Ah. Ah. Uh, it's great. Ah. ah. Um, good to good to hear you. Good to see you. And uh, we're doing both because we're on a Zoom call. Indeed, a Zoom call that is streaming through YouTube, which is crazy. YouTuber, um, that's what I played in marching band. Hey, no, you didn't. <laughs> we would have talked about it by then. I played a sousaphone. A John Philip sousaphone? That is correct. Uh, a white one. Uh, there, I guess it was made out of fiberglass. I don't know. Right into the podcast, if you know what white sousaphones are made out of. It's Ben's email at yahoo.com at gmail.com. Boy, we've not uh, we've not uh, divulged that in a while, have yeah, we? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's it's a email that we purposefully made difficult to figure out because at the time we thought it was funny, but we think it has contributed <laughs> to the fact that um, we don't have many listeners or viewers uh which a longtime listener longtime viewer uh steven mccandless has said proves that we're adversarial against our audience yes, very and we very have hostile leaned into it leaned into it at this point we're, uh, we're 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 not actively hostile we don't insult our audience we just uh don't make right. it easy for them to find the show that's right and when we do talk to them we like them and when we talk about them even when they aren't here uh yeah. we we still like that uh for example drunk uh someone from uh st louis missouri who allegedly. uh allegedly who who writes into the show every once in a while uh through the Via chat the on the chat. youtube channel yeah um who is as far as i know the one person who found the podcast who doesn't know us who regularly regularly talks to us and is not at least at this point uh threatening us <laughs> which is nice yes i will not disagree with that it is nice when people uh engage with the show and they are not mean to us yeah and that's the thing is that you know i don't know if you've run into this as a problem i know i ran into this problem as a kid there's this thing where someone figures out that if they can be mean to you, there's a turn. And they're like, ah, well, now I can show my true colors and right. be a jerk, which is too bad. No jerks. No jerks here, pal, That's is what I say. Lord's podcast. Hey, speaking about no jerks, uh, I have... Uh, welcome to November, everyone. Uh, what? I am... No, now, come on. Uh, that... I just noticed that it was uh, October. <laughs> October, and, and also, like, wrong. in the mid-70s here in Seattle, it might actually hit 80 degrees on Sunday. Yeah, it's uh, it's been cold in the mornings and warm in the afternoons here. Uh, no, but what I was going to say is, speaking of no jerks, uh, I have recently been working with uh as you know the ai art generation tool called midjourney so i've heard and there is a there is a channel there called philosophy 
And I, unfortunately, my, my goals for quitting social media was so that I didn't care what strangers had to say <laughs> about things. Um, and so yet, right now, you cannot use MidJourney without using it through Discord. Right. And so that channel is right there. And it's full of, uh, if I may say so. Now, this isn't everyone. And, of course, if you're listening to this, dearly, I almost said dear leader. I was so close. Is, <laughs> dear is listener. Kim, is Kim Jong-un listening to the podcast? One never knows. Um, no, we... <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine for some reason? <laughs> like, if, we, if you and I were invited to go to North Korea... I would I would probably have to opt out, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would go. Yeah. I mean, it'd be one of those I'm... things of like... Now, here's the thing. If James Woods invited me to hang out with him, I would totally go. Really? Uh, James, James Woods uh, gets, you know, a lot of flack for his, his conservative Political views and things views, like that. Yes. But for me... They say don't meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed. I'm already disappointed in him, which means that that he and I probably could have an okay time. Was he a hero of yours? I liked Videodrome. I liked him in Contact. Um, I I like James Woods as an actor. I, I Jennifer, is James Woods a good actor? Um, he was. Yeah. It's it's funny how and I and I hate to say this, uh, you know, and we're gonna get some letters from no one, uh, but often when one turns conservative, one loses their comedic edge, their artistic sensibilities, and I don't know why that is. Uh, the the suggestion that has been posed to me or, or um, offered to me is that it's because you stop caring about other people. And that caring about other people is what makes you um, charismatic in that I way that people want to be supporting. A lot, I think a lot of the humor issues that the right has uh, found themselves with is also just the, the basic tendency to uh, punch up versus punch down. The right, yeah. is, the right is very much about fear and hatred. And so those are, you know, they're they're punching down to marginalized communities. Yes. You know, here's something that's kind of interesting. So one of the things, of course, about this about this group, um, when I was uh, more involved, I still like lurk there and things like that. But when I was more involved in the indie TTR, I had to I had to stop the indie TTRPG. Uh, uh, you know, community stuff that I was doing because when I learned that I didn't like playing role playing games online, uh, it it was a it was a big blow to my my involvement with those groups because I liked all the people in them and they were really great and all that, but I I didn't I didn't want to do the thing that we were all there to talk about and do anymore. Yeah. Um, but everyone there was really nice and supportive and things like that. Whereas in the in the philosophy channel of the um, the mid journey thing, you've got people a bunch are generally of people jerks. From all stripes. Well, mm, I wouldn't say that. I'd say that 
that there are some jerks on display though so so but here's the thing one of the things that they that they talk about in the philosophy of is for instance if i type in a man if i just type in a man you you know how mid-journey works or the, the concept it takes your sentence and it makes a picture based on it and somebody said whenever i type in a man i normally get white men you know and is that the way that this technology should work yeah and somebody said that you know they know at least some places put in phantom words so that if you just type in a man it randomly chooses an an ethnicity to assign to them that sort of thing and the reason that it does that is because it sample sets the photos um you know that were being used were often of white people so they're going to be the default because of the selection of the of the um, pictures themselves, and somebody said, "Oh, you know, I don't like this. Um, I think that that things will go a lot better if people forget about um, what was it? If people forget about um, placating current year, uh, current with a capital C, year with a capital Y." And just work with people. And I was like, what is current year? So I looked it up. Are you familiar with this term? I think it's more of a right-wing term. Is that uh, how, like, everybody's woke now and it was a whole lot better in the past? Um, sort of. people didn't care about one another? Sort of. What they're, what they're talking about, um, and it's, it's apparently a... Um, a playoff of John Oliver many times, they use him as an example, where he says, it's it's 2022. You know, like when, when they say, we're still, we're still down on unions, it's 2022. Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins um, did that, too. He's like, yeah. churches, still a thing. This year begins yeah. with a two. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, that sort of thing. And so their concept is that... Um, having it be saying it's and then the year they're introducing it as a fallacy of logic that just because it's a certain year doesn't mean that just because you say that your agenda is is more progressive and tied to this year doesn't mean that it should exist basically that's sort of the thing is that you sound like great people now the thing that that well this is the other thing is that i i i wanted to and i was tempted to saying you're right because things have shown us that even in the 1800s you know there were people who believed uh you know in equality for women and things like that so it shouldn't matter what the year is just do the right thing but that is not how it's being presented and i knew that no. those would be fighting words and no. i'm not fighting with people although i am kind of I'm 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 not happy with with my uh in a with my inability to stop talking about one thing. And that's that there are people who this is what they present. They say, "Aha, traditional artists," and they put it in quotes, uh are scared because of AI art. They're banning us from their from their art channels and their they're afraid that we're going to take their art jobs and things like that. Right. And the thing that I argue with the people about, uh, which was called copium, 
um, which is, you know, cope and then opium. It's the, it's the thing that you tell yourself to feel better about the fact that you're going to lose your art job or whatever, which I don't have, which I stopped. I stopped working in the art field prior to AI art. And I don't think I'm going to start working in it with AI art. Um, even though it does make certain things easier, it, it, you can't, this is what I've been telling people. This is what I have been telling people. This what I've been telling people is I think what I said. Or anyway, point is, um, you can create very cool pictures with AI art already, and it's only going to get better. And it's going to be very cool and neat. I like using it. It's fun. All that. All that being said, there is a separate thing about being an artist. When we use the term artist to mean someone who gets paid to do art. And that separate thing is the ability to take notes from your editor or agent or whoever and change your artwork based on those notes. Hey, can this ball be blue? Hey, can this be a rhinoceros instead of an elephant? Hey, can you move that person three feet to the left? Because he's blocking the boombox. Whatever. Edward, no. It's not going to help. Um, and what I try to explain is, with what you can do right now with MidJourney, um, for instance, if I type a cab driver sitting behind the wheel of a taxi, the cab driver might be sitting behind the wheel of a taxi on the sidewalk, The cab driver might be, you know, I have to run through a lot of iterations. Eventually, I might get something close to what I want, but it's not the same as me penciling it out and then inking it. And then, you know, I I would get exactly what I wanted. Um, So it takes a long time. Now, if I just say, for instance, a man sitting on a horse and I don't care what I get, I just say, you know, a man sitting on a horse and then it gives me things back. Like, it could be a man sitting on a horse that's made out of metal and in the sky is a golf ball or whatever. And that's great. And I love that picture. And that's fun. And that's great for me when I'm sitting at home going, oh, I'm making fun pictures. But if it's, you know, Walt Disney's editor writing to me saying, hey, you know, you've got to put in something that we think is good or else you're not getting paid from us, it becomes a different game. Do you think, though, that that eventually will happen where you can play creative director very specifically to AI art? I think so, it's just, yeah. It's just not I there think, yet. I think it will, but but the thing is, and th- you have a very good point there, Ben, right? And one of the things that somebody said was, well, why would they hire a quote-unquote real artist to do this when they could just get a whole bunch of high school interns to sit in the basement and churn out images until they get something that they want? It would be a lot 100 cheaper. Hundred monkeys on a hundred typewriters. And what I and what I said, and what it was hard for me to impress on people because they didn't either they didn't believe me or they didn't get it or whatever. What I said was, you don't understand how, at least when it comes to illustrations for books, how the publishing industry works. If they did what you're saying, they would have to have a space for them. They would have to, you know, maybe feed them, at least have electricity for the computers that they're using, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. 
What they do instead is they just say, hey, if you got books, uh, you know, let me see them and I'll tell you if I like them or not. That's it. They're not paying me anything. I'm submitting to all these different publishers. They decide which one they want. And then I make the book and then they pay me. And that is cheaper for them than hiring 40 people to run props. They don't have to pay anything anyway. So, you know, it's, that's the thing is that, and that's, that's the thing that I wrote is that you just have a fundamental misunderstanding about how this stuff works. And they said, sounds like you're, you know, old and can't keep up with new technology. I'm like, I'm, I'm making the same things you're making. We're, we're, we're doing the same. This is the thing I think about Rick Miller, right? Uh, Rick Miller is annoying in the fact that he's good at everything. <laughs> yeah. Rick Rick is a really good artist. Yeah. He can also work on a computer. He is not afraid of computers. If you hand him mid-journey and say, hey, you type prompts in here and you make stuff, he'll make something very cool and probably, after a couple of weeks, make something cooler. And I'm like, I don't know how he did this. That's just a talent that he has. And so, you know, people sitting at their computers going, ha-ha, regular artists are afraid of us because we're going to take their jobs. The, the, the job of the artist is not to make a cool picture. If it was, there are so many people who would be working. The, the job is to, to get along with an editor and to, it's just like with acting. Ben? It's a collaborative process. Yeah, but are you telling yeah. me that AI art is not going to be the great disruptor in the publishing industry that everybody says it is? Um, my answer to that is, will it be... Okay, so this is a, this is a good example. Will AI art take over the jobs of the editors or will it take over the jobs of the people that are submitting books you know this is the thing that that i think like i said this is the 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 confusion i think people have right now is that whoever's saying that you know oh well it can make better art faster and so therefore these writers and illustrators are going to be out of jobs if you think that the writers and illustrators are the slow part to the creating of books, you're sorely mistaken. There's, I turn... Yeah, go ahead. There's a big um, misconception in the manufacturing industry that automation is taking jobs. Now, to an extent, that's true. Automation is getting rid of like very dangerous and repetitive jobs. But you still need people programming the robots you still need people there to be the human uh counterpart to this automation it sounds like what like mid-journey is doing is it's it's automating creativity where you will still need trained artistic professionals creatives to guide it well Here's the thing, right? And and you you have a really good. I mean, it's almost as though you're sitting and reading what these people are writing because it's the exact same thing, right? Um, when you use Midjourney, 
your job is not that of the artist. Your job is that of the editor who is asking the artist for pictures. Right. Midjourney is the artist. Midjourney is the one who's turning right. things in. Um, and so you can get really good at curating. Right. But and you know here's the funny thing. I said Midjourney is the artist without without even thinking. Right. Because this is the this is the question is who's the artist and i and when i was talking on the boards i'm like i could see it two different ways you know an, an artist can use this as a tool uh so that's interesting that in my in my um my non-thinking my if you take if you put in my passion and take out you know cognitive thought i i guess i view the ai as the person doing most of the artistic work there the interesting thing of course is that in manufacturing jobs um you know, those machines have to be manufactured, right? The idea that people are building their own replacements, almost. Like, you're making the machine that well, is going to... They're building somebody else's replacement. Right, exactly. Oh, until... <laughs> uh, but but the the thing is that makes mid-journey... And, and I don't... I don't mid-journey is the one that I use because I believe... There's the guy, David, who runs mid-journey has a vision for what it's going to look like and he thinks about this stuff and he he actually you know cares about art and beauty and things like that uh which is good which is why i i support them um but the thing that that happens with all ai is that there's a training set that it uses there's a bunch of art that it uses to learn how to make art and the big question right now is, were any of the artists whose art was used when training these machines consulted? Were they asked, hey, will you help this? Or was there just a big bunch of art? And did they pay for that big bunch of art? Or did they, you know, just go out and crawl, you know, Google or whatever? I don't know. Um, but I mean, that whenever... gets into an interesting discussion of intellectual property because, you know, art is there to be observed. But if you're observing it um, with a machine's eyes, does that count as not just observing but, like, consuming? Well, the one thing that's really interesting, and this was, this was great because it was a question that I had that I now have the answer to. Um People say, is it just collage? Is it picking up images? Picking out, you know, does it have a bank of pictures that it's taking elements from and putting it out? And the answer is no, it's not. Uh, it, it's, it has a cloud, a bunch of pixels, right? And then it refines them and it refines them and refines them until it makes, like, and goes, this is a picture. This is what a picture is. Now, the interesting thing is, I think I talked about this before, there's a guy uh, whose face keeps on showing up in these AI art images that people have nicknamed Mitch. Okay. Uh, and there's a woman as well who they've nicknamed Midge. And, and when you get used to seeing this, when you recognize this face, you'll see it everywhere. And so the question is, I have, I have basically, and I just wrote a thing about this in, in that channel... I, I see two major things that'll happen. Two major events that will change the way that AI works. Because you were saying, you know, uh, you know, is it going to disrupt the publishing industry? 
One thing that's going to have to happen is there's going to have to be some sort of copyright lawsuit tied to it. I can see a, a couple of different ones that might happen. One is, again, the original artist whose work was used to train an AI have a class action lawsuit against one of the AI creators and say, you know, anything that your thing makes is taking our work, we need to be paid or whatever. So that's one thing that could happen. Right. The other thing that could happen is that, you know, like with this with this image that keeps on showing up, this Mitch face, uh, eventually the AI... Because it's going to have so many users, so many more people making art than normal. Uh, you remember this back on Twitter. Whenever it would say uh, three words you can say in bed and at church, you know, or whatever, uh, like um, "Bless me, Father," you know, or something gross, right? Uh, <laughs> Thank you, God. Two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> two. <laughs> Two people come up with the same joke using that format. Yeah. And one accuses the person of stealing it stealing it from them because they thought of it first. And then I go through and I find the person who said it before either of them and say, okay, so did both of you guys steal from this guy? And it's because you have this limited set of input and a limited format. And so the idea that you'll come up with the same three words as someone else is not that crazy it seems crazy you're like because i was the one that thought of this but you know we're we are animals we are deterministic you know all that kind of thing whatever so the the question then becomes you know at some point in time will an artist who has a piece of art that they created that has a copyright eventually find someone who made an AI image that is close enough to their image that they can say, this is my image, and sue them for it. And if so, will the person say, oh yeah, I made this, this is mine, or will they say, well, this is actually made by by an AI, so it's not really mine? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, how do you... I'm, again, I know nothing about any, how, how AI... Uh, whatever the the noun is computers whatever um how they do you so you feed a piece of art into mid-journey um, as an influence how can you prove that that was an influence into into this ai right so the idea well i and so the the idea is that they that it's trained it's trained on a, an image set right yeah so it's not just one piece of art it's it's tons of it and this is why this is why i think probably someone somewhere is coming up with a class action lawsuit because they could theoretically have every single person whose piece of art was fed into it say you know i made part of this and you didn't ask me now now who knows if the image set was bought by a company who the artists you know said you can use you know because some people do that right they they uh, Getty images or whatever. They they give them their art and say you can use this. Like I'm sure Betty. I said Betty. I'm sure Getty may have you know an image of you or an image of me. Any of the commercial products that we did, depending on the um, the the paperwork that we signed, maybe Microsoft took a still from one of our commercials and sold it. You know that sort yeah. of thing. So we might be in there. 
Um, so it's a it's a legal thing, right? I don't know, but the but the idea is that if those things are close enough, there might be a lawsuit, and depending on the results of that lawsuit, if the lawsuit says yes. Midjourney is actually the person who violated this copyright versus the individual using it. What, however, that shakes out will determine one way about how this stuff will go. I think there's a weird precedent for this because I think if I'm, I'm probably remembering incorrectly, but sites like Tumblr or other uh, other um, like social media sites where people can share stuff. Like, uh-huh. if illegal activity was happening on those sites, the owner of the site was liable for damages. It's not the people who were uploading. Yeah, sure, they could get, if it's like child pornography or something, they, they could find who did it. But yeah. Tumblr and who else is also culpable. Now, Drunk has joined us and, and actually has a, um, uh, uh, has a question. If you are the maker of the AI, you said there's a dude, like one dude who runs Midjourney. Well, no, there's, claim- there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of people who run it. There's a, a main, like, sort of brain trust spokesperson person. Right. David. So if, could you, like, they probably don't, but could you claim ownership of anything the AI, AI makes? And likewise, uh, could you be held responsible for any damages that AI causes? So they do have some... Uh, th- this guy is really interesting, by the way. I wonder if, if Stephen already knows about him, because he... he does a whole bunch of different things. The fact that he's running this the way he's running it is really interesting. Um, it's it's a community-based thing. The copyright is really weird. Like, I, anything I create with it, according to MidJourney, I can use it commercially. But in the same way, because MidJourney is a, is a community, right, they can take my images that I make. And when I say they, I don't just mean... The company, I mean the people on the, the users. site. Yeah. The users can take mine and do whatever they want to on it. Now, they asked the user community. They said, and you remember now, uh, they they trained these models on this art that that they got from somewhere. And people are like, it doesn't matter. You know, art is free. Anyone can look at it. You know, uh, are you going to get an art, tell somebody who drew a a picture of an elephant while looking at another picture of elephant that they stole that elephant, you know, that kind of thing. Midjourney asked, do you want to have the capability of being able to go to the original drawing that somebody made and make whatever you want to off of it? That's number one. And then number two was, would you consent to allowing people to go directly to your image and make whatever they wanted to off of it? Everyone thought that the idea of being able to make something off of someone's images was good. Being able to make something off of their images, they didn't want to have happen because that was their image. Right. Even it's, though it's, it... Can't happen yeah, both ways, my friends. It's crazy. Um, it's sort of but, like the creative, cl- the creative commons, like, share alike clause yeah in fact that's that's very similar to how these things are are set up and this actually goes remember i said that there are two sort of sea change moments we're still in number one there will be some sort of lawsuit i don't know what the lawsuit looks like but this is the one that i think is going to happen it's the most fun 
two users of an, a specific AI instance will sue each other because their AI images are too similar to one another. And they're going to say, you stole that from me. Even though they both were using it from an AI. That's, so that's one. Number of them one. is going to be Carlos Mendoza. Do you mean uh, Carl, uh, Carl Mencia? Or... Is it, is it uh, Mencia? Mencia? Was... Who's, been, who's Carl? Carlos Mendoza? Isn't he a stand-up comedian? That was a cute No, you're thinking, you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Mencia. Ah... Uh... I don't even know if Carlos is his first name. I, I'm happy to say I do know that he he had a show called Mind of Mencia, but I don't know his uh, his first yeah, name Carlos. anymore. It's Carlos. So here's the basic thing. That's number one. Some sort of lawsuit will happen. In that <laughs> lawsuit, they're gonna have to determine who owns AI art, who is responsible for it. All that stuff will be worked out there. And then people will either be gun-shy because they don't want to get sued like the last guy if that person has to pay out. Or there will be an explosion because uh, the law says that nobody owns anything and things don't matter. Or whatever. Yeah, it'll you know? become heavily regulated and take all the fun and joy and life out of it. Either heavily, either it'll be heavily regulated or it'll be turned out that it won't be, it can't be regulated and things will be like crazy. Right now... As we speak, uh, Midjourney is doing its darndest to make sure that you can't make pornographic images with it or gore. Um, and one of the things that uh, I, I, there was a conversation where uh, a woman came on and said, you know, you're talking about banning breasts and all that sort of stuff. I just want to say breasts are natural and they're good and there should be no, you know, they're not dirty. They're, they shouldn't be banned. To which the person had a very, like, David had a very diplomatic answer, which is that, yes, that's true, but also people can't be trusted to make those images. They can't be trusted to, if they can make bare breasts, making images that are good and wholesome and pure and things like There are, there are, it's the internet. There, there are, Yes. Even, even if you say, you know, the Venus de Milo is good and pure and wholesome, somebody's going to want to put a t-shirt over because it's it's you know filthy well or or if you say the venus de milo is good that's great someone sticks you know ruth vader ginsburg's head on the venus de milo or whatever um you know it, it's just it's never ruth bader ginsburg i said vader <laughs> um, Fair. but so here's here's the whole thing that's number one. The lawsuit and all that's number one. The number two is the uh, the Bob Dylan goes electric at Newport moment. Mm. You remember that Newport? Uh, yeah, people booed he, him. He they booed him and they didn't like it. Some artist, some artist whose name we recognize, Banksy or whoever. Uh, is going to do AI art themselves. They're gonna they're gonna do a whole bunch of AI art and say this is my AI art, and people are gonna be uh, people in the art world are gonna go well this is just a stunt or this is a thing or whatever. And they're gonna hate it, but it will mainstream it. And well, isn't like is it all AI art just a stunt anyway? Well, I don't, yeah, 
<laughs> I I feel like what, as though what are you proving when you just you know type something into Discord and it pops out an original piece of art? Well, I saw this guy. What does this who, say about the human condition, Paul Goody? I saw this guy who did it, and I wish I wish I had his name. I feel bad that I don't. But he was a, he's a musician, does music, and he made a whole bunch of images in Midjourney, clipped them, and put them in Blender, turned them into 3D backgrounds, and then did an animation of him flying through these 3D black <coughs> these 3D backgrounds in like a little car and stuff and made a music video out of it. Cool. And and I thought when I saw this, okay, that is art. That right there is a piece of art. Yes, he used Midjourney to make the backgrounds, which is just typing something in and you know, and we can get into the idea and if somebody's listening here who is an AI artist uh, I guess that would be drunk. Uh, if somebody's listening here who who says, well, it takes me a really long time to craft prompts and it, and it takes skill and all that, agreed. I've tried, like I said, I've tried to make a very simple picture of what I wanted. It's very difficult. It's easy to type in just, like you said, Ben, you type in a sentence. Uh, the Emperor of the Sky and his friend Dave. Right? You just type that in. It will come up with something, and if you type it enough times or refresh it enough times, it becomes pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Something I've been doing, I think I might have mentioned this to you before, I don't know. Um, I take scenes from movies that I like. Right. And I combine the two scenes together, and then I come up with, okay, if, if there were, and it, it gives four different versions, right? And I, and I say, okay, so we've got the beginning of the movie, the middle of the movie, the climax of the movie, and then the end of the movie, right? And, uh, and that's fun for me, right? I can, I can write all that stuff. It's, it's great. But again, if you told me I want a clown riding a unicycle with a bazooka, I can type that in and it will give me something. But it's not going to necessarily match what you're thinking of and it's not going to match what I'm thinking of. And if we try to, if you and I are trying to get a picture that we both agree on, it might take a while. Yeah. Um, Drunk confirms he is not an AI artist. Also, uh, let us know that Carlos Mendoza is uh, plays. You did it uh, again. No. Carlos Mendoza is with the Yankees organization. That's why I was. That's why. Oh, I was okay. Because he's in. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. Let ben, me finish. I apologize. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's it's like uh, it's like all of a sudden uh, I I brought Dave, Jamie Tart back onto the team or something. Ben, how how bad I feel? I, I okay, I've only seen that episode up to the point of Jamie Tart walking onto the field. Uh, so yes. I don't know anything else about it. But I do like that they're humanizing him a little bit. Um, I, I thought that well, it was, they did that. Like, are, are you in season two, or is this still... Yeah, season this, two. Okay. They did that a little bit at the end of season one, when we see him getting him. berated by his dad. Yeah. Well, and then the thing about season two, where he finds out that he gets fired, right? Yeah. And he still, he still spends time with his fans out in front of the TV studio as he's leaving. I thought that was good. 
I, and I really like the fact that you let me know that Roy Kent is writing part of it. Because that guy is so fun. I like him a lot. Yeah. Brett Goldstein. He's got a podcast called Films to be Buried With, where he interviews people uh, and they've died. And it's a horrible tragedy. But what films would they want to be buried with? Oh, wow. It, it, is he, he is British, yeah? Oh, yes. Very much so. I thought so. He doesn't speak with that uh, with that Batman esque um, gruff yeah. accent, you know, vocal it's, tenor. It's great though. It really is. It really is nice. <laughs> I'm switching. I'm switching my. Uh, what, what's up? Uh, Drunk said, uh, "Let me finish. Three words I can say in church and bed." <laughs> <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> Drunk with the best line in the podcast today. I don't know. That's <laughs> that's very nice. Um, but what I was going to say is that I am moving into my deeper register again, Ben. You know how I the 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 problem that I had whenever we we're doing music. I'm like, should I sing it up here or should I sing it down here? I, I don't yeah. know which it is. Um, as I get older, uh, the answer is I, I sing it down here. <laughs> Can't. I can't hit those uh, high notes anymore. I mean, you, you you're better singer than I am. Uh, I mean, but I'll call. I'm, that's also not saying much because I'm a terrible singer. But also, I try to, uh, if I like sing along in the car for or uh, along to anything, I have to go down to yeah. lower register if I want to stay on pitch. That's exactly that's exactly it. There are some songs where I can uh, start like the high road. Uh, I. I just break at a different point. Like, I only go high on, because, you know, and so do I. Uh, that part I can go high on. But it but it goes high earlier, and I can't do that part. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's, that's AI art. Uh, so, <laughs> so, when I, well, when I wrote... 45 minutes so, talking about that. So I wrote the, the the basic thing was I wrote this thing that said um, here's the thing if we're we're arguing about because people are like well everything I do is art when I wake up in the morning that's art when I do this it's and I'm like okay so if everything we do is art then it's fine then it then who cares if somebody says you're an artist or not because that's the thing is that the the big thing is that there's a huge movement in the AR community. That they are doing art, that this should be considered art, that not call, saying that it isn't art is wrong because they're the ones that come up with the image. And just because they now have a new tool that makes it easier doesn't mean well, that they're any less of an artist. Yeah, and so people and so who go to art school and graduate with art degrees and have put in the work are getting upset because now people can, you know, your average Joe who never studied yeah. can produce and, just, you know, as spectacular work. And they and well and this is the thing is they say as spectacular faster they're afraid of us you know all that kind of stuff and the basic thing is that they hate us I feel as though most of the people saying this have not in general tried to make a living at art yet because what they would find out if they did is that the idea that there's always someone better than you who can do stuff faster than you is already there that fear is already there. That that concern is already there. The thing, and this is what I was talking about before. 
when I was doing uh, Giraffe and Elephant, uh, when Elephant met Giraffe and a surprise for Giraffe and Elephant, both those things, the problem wasn't, they weren't like, Paul, hurry up on that art. It was me saying, hey, do you have my revisions yet? Do you know what you want me to do? Have we, you know, what's what's new about this? And I could not do anything else until I found out from them what changes they wanted me to make. That's if I, sorry. That, that's um, an interesting question I, uh, that maybe you do or don't want to say, but how much did your editors influence the art? Were they like, oh, no, Elephant needs to be on the left-hand side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elephant needs to be on the left-hand side of Giraffe. Uh, make Elephant face the other way. Um, really? Can the monkey be a little bit higher with the balloons? Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> and And the thing is, you don't know. You can't guess. You have to wait for them to tell you, and then you have to do it. This concept of, of well, I can just brute force this stuff. I can give, you know, well, I can give them a hundred different pictures to choose from. Getting them to choose from two pictures takes forever. So that's the thing. Unless you're going to change that structure, which maybe, you know, maybe this will, will happen. Maybe they're just going to hire artist editors or call it something else, whatever. You know, people who come in. But already, right? You have the artist, uh, artist illustrator, who is a contractor who comes in. They do have in-house artists who take that person's work and clip it and move it into the books and stuff like that. Those folks probably aren't going to go anywhere. But in general, and this Not is yet. what I'm saying about that lawsuit thing, um, once that's settled, right, they're not going to care where you get your images from. Because even right now, right, I could paint them. I could draw them. I could do it purely digital. It doesn't matter. They just want me to put in artwork and hand it to them so that they can use it. If Midjourney is clean, right? If there's no problem, because, okay, think about uh, how people say uh, Paul's Boutique uh, by Beastie Boys couldn't be made today because of how expensive all the samples would be, right? That's the exact same thing. If all of a sudden you have to pay for every single artist who influences the picture that you get out when you type those words in, it's going to be prohibitively expensive to use AI. I, I would be interested to see if that's even possible. Like if you, if an AI has been, you know, if you feed images into an AI for, you know, a year or so, uh, millions and millions of images, is it going to know how, what is actually influencing a specific piece of output? I've already thought about this, Ben. People, someone, somewhere. I don't know who, I don't know how, probably Getty Images. If I were Getty Images, I would absolutely 100% do this. Are going to build an AI that can look at a piece of art and figure out where its influences came from. And somebody <laughs> said, oh, man. if they do that, what's going to stop them from going to a regular fine artist who draws and say that yeah. that image was stolen from their stuff. And I said to them, that's... nothing. That's what's going to suck. That's how this stuff is going to be horrible. <laughs> because all of a sudden, you're going to get takedown notices for something that you drew yourself in your room when you were eight. And you're going to have to fight the, the AI lawyer who sent you the AI cease and desist. 
This and crap is them, already happening. Uh, YouTube's content ID system just is a, a, is a brute force content yep. ID system. There's, there's no finesse to it at all. Same, and same it's thing on, with the TikTok. Onus, yeah, the onus is on you to prove that it's that you, it, the content is yours. And so what's your, what you're going to eventually do is you're going to have your advocate AI that somebody else is going to make, and the two AIs are going to battle it out. They're going to say, look, this is, this is why my client should be able to still use this. But there's going to be a an agreement and then maybe your stuff gets posted, maybe it doesn't. This is why this is the exact reason why I stopped doing stuff on TikTok because I kept on posting music stuff and it kept on getting taken down for being yeah. you know, violation of copyright. I have I do I I I've been doing a video series about a specific artist and used a song from this specific artist in the video with permission. And YouTube is still like, no, nope, can't do it. Yep. It's the same thing with, um, well, I mean, we go back to, what is it, John Fogarty. What band was he in? Creedence. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, John Fogarty got sued for one of his songs sounding too much like a Creedence Clearwater Revival song. I think it was the old man down the road and something else. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those situ you know, um, one of those situations where uh, somebody's um, publishing company tells them that they can't use their own music on their own channel because it's a violation of copyright when they're advertising the music that that person puts out. You know, that's also, okay. yeah, I mean, it's also, like, I don't know, maybe this will happen with the AR, AI art world in the future. It's happening now with um, music where people buy, or images, or video, people buy libraries yep. specifically for the purpose of enforcing takedown notices on YouTube monetizing somebody else's channel getting getting the money money from that it's a scam yet we we put up with it so one of the things that midjourney is doing i know um you know i said they were trying to make it so that no nudity could be made they're they're changing up their library that the ai is trained on no more playboys to to take out well well that was the thing is that there was porn in some of the images that was trained on so okay. they're taking all that out. So what that means is that it may be a situation where Getty Images makes their AI service that is trained on Getty Images and you pay to use the service to get your image and you get and you get 8 pictures a month. Right, that's that's kind of how they're. Somebody else suggested something that I thought was great, which is that um, if Google does this, right, that eventually your results from Google image search may not be from any pictures people uploaded, but Google may include AI images that Google creates in your image search results, and you will have the option to use that. I think that's quite possible. I think that's a fantastic idea. I don't know how many times I've been google searching for a specific type of image i don't really care what it is i just need like i need a picture of a car you know 
And yep. so I don't want to buy a picture of a car from Shutterstock. I just want a picture of a car. So if I can like have Google create one or whatever and and say no, I want it, you know, maybe maybe from the front, you know, kind of to the side on the driver's side, yellow. Yeah. And and you know, that might be a service. That might be something that costs you like 5 bucks a month or whatever. Uh, which is still cheap. Freaking subscription. Yep, yep. I'm telling you, Ben. Eventually, no more cash. Everything's a subscription. If you can't subscribe to it, you can't have it. Yep. That's how my uh, my D and D campaign works. I was. Uh, which is hard. I still fall back to money. I still forget about that when I'm using it. So in my apartment, from my window, I can actually see the Space Needle, right? I live in downtown uh-huh. Seattle. I live in Belltown. Space Needle is a saddle center. I can see it from my window. It's actually rather pretty. But okay, Frazier. A couple months ago, Sorry. they put a construction crane. You know, they're building a new building, which is probably going to block my view of the Space Needle, which which yeah. sucks. And somebody mentioned that you know, there's only of uh, pretty soon there's only going to be like a dozen buildings that have unobstructed views of the space needle and i came up with this idea of outside as a service where if you you have to pay to see the space needle out your windows if you don't subscribe to that the window gets frosted over wow that ben that sucks so bad (laughs) uh you could you could patent it now make a million dollars that maybe that is the dystopian urban reality we are headed towards if there's not a nuclear well, war first. There was someone who lived kind of near your neck of the woods who had a condo. And I remember they got solicited. Um, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, probably. Uh, hey, donate to our, our sculpture park. You know the sculpture park. Uh, that's that's in downtown or, you know, near the, the waterfront. So, is it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. The Olympic um, Sculpture Park. One of the ways that they got money is they said to people who had condos, hey, how would you like to see a sculpture park instead of another condo? Donate to our sculpture park. I Great. Yes, that worked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. We've got about five minutes left, I think. I still um, haven't been there. You want to you wanna see what the next uh, Goody Lawrence yeah, piece is? I, I thought we should, since it's ostens- ostensibly how we uh, do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Paul, what's what's the answer to the question I always ask you? Uh, geez. Uh, the answer is the same as always. I have no idea which performance last, we talked about last so time. So last, last time we talked about this, uh, we talked about a star-rated toilet, which was the name oh, that of was the, you. Uh, the, the Chinese trip so when I went yep. to China. and So the next thing, which was on October 7th, 2005, which is um, just uh, like uh, 17 and a couple days ago, 17 years and a couple days ago from today. Yeah. Um, Paul? What happened? What major life event of yours happened in October of 2005? Oh, well, that would be uh, my wife and I got married. Oh, my gosh. Is this uh, is this the bachelor party? Five-minute bachelor party. Five-minute bachelor party, <laughs> which I still like. I still, I still enjoy that uh, very, very... Uh, for a wonderful, uh, a, a big shout out to uh, your friend and mine, Zach Lewis, for his heroic 
effort of uh, dressing up as a gorilla stripper. Um, I, to this day, Ben, I've never been to a strip club. Me, Paul Goody. Oh, my friends took me to one the day I turned 18. Oh, well. Um, and uh, I, th I think when I was in my early 20s, a, a buddy of mine and I went. Uh, it wasn't my idea. He, he is like, it's something that he did, like, yeah. on the regular. And I was visiting home because I think I was in college at the time. He's like, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, all right. There's yeah. actually video of the five-minute bachelor party. Oh, that's kind of amazing. I... I... Uh, so we, could, we could, yeah. Is it is well, it on not, YouTube? It's on YouTube. If you look, if you do a search, it, you're the one who uploaded it, actually. Uh, it, oh, really? uh, It's from your uh, uh, YouTube account. I didn't know that I had a YouTube account with stuff on it <laughs> that it was publicly facing. Well, excitement plus. Uh, are you listening to the music of the video yeah, clip, it, or were you just... No, it's I, I played it just to see if it would actually play. Um, yeah. And, and not do that thing where it's like, you can't play this. You have to watch it on YouTube. Um, and yeah. it's apparently when I edited this video together, I used the opening riff of Jumpstart the Funk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, there's something. The opening riff of Jumpstart the Funk, I didn't play that. You didn't play that. That is a, that is a music clip. A loop? You know, and it all comes full circle. Apple loops. What's the difference between that and mid-journey, I ask you? <laughs> if I make well, Apple loops into a song, is it still a song, Ben? And with that ponderous question, <laughs> we'll leave you and uh, hope that you... Oh, oh Ben, your... you think that that's going to happen, but we Enjoy still your mid-journey. Two minutes left, Ben. No, I'm I'm at uh I'm at just under an hour. Of course, I did start recording before you did. It you is started recording before I did. One minute after five, which probably means that you were late again. Although not as much as uh, you normally. I are was I was late, not as much. I actually I, this is I a, didn't actually. I did a today. I did a sneaky thing. Well, first number one, uh, Jennifer, uh, my wonderful wife Jennifer said, uh, "Hey." Don't you have your podcast today? And I said, "Why, well, yes, I do." And I <laughs> she remembers over that it's Thursday. It's it. this is, yeah, exactly. Oh, speaking about which, uh, we usually have to be reminded by my parents about our anniversary. We both forget. <laughs> Although this time, I, I guess we can end end with this. Uh, we went to the Foundry again in St. Louis. That was very nice. And uh, wow. the seventeenth. Wedding anniversary is uh, chairs, or it's furniture, and so we got two chairs for our kitchen. And wow. then we're going to a Renaissance festival. Um, nice. Yeah. I will not, not be doing anything that fun or exciting. Oh, I'm, we're actually uh, doing some streams here at Annex Theater. Oh, what streams? Are, oh, wait a second. Uh, is it the Boggle thing? That is in like two weeks. I gotta say, Ben. Uh, you know, bless CBS. The Boggle thing is a wonderful idea. I think I think people will love it. We're doing we're doing a tech run of the next Annex Games show on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, Cole Hornaday and Rob McGregor and I will be back in the theater to do another edition of I Love This Movie, where where they will be talking about. 
Uh, Edgar Wright's seminal zombie movie, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. What a great film. And with that, Ben... And with that, I, I have to let you know that it's still a couple of minutes... Oh, come on. Until we're done. It was a couple um, of minutes a couple of minutes ago. I know, right? It's crazy. But, you know, what can you do? Actually, it's not a, a couple, couple of minutes. minutes ago. It's uh, a couple of seconds. Yeah. Every oh, I figured out. Um, you know uh, Tiny Cities Made of Ashes by uh, Modest Mouse? You familiar with it? Uh, if I heard it, I'd probably wrote so, it. So we talk about, um, does, does anybody know whether a body could get away? Does anybody know a way uh, is part of it. And uh, we talked about how when we sing, we have to sing low. Yeah. It's harder to sing fast and low, I've noticed. Um, so eventually, uh, what I ended up doing was singing it like Cookie Monster. Does anybody know whether a body could get away? Does anybody know a way? And then I realized... Edward likes that very much. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like Tom Waits if you draw it out a little bit more. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to do it now because Edward is already mad at me. Oh, look at He's... Oh, Edward has a loose tooth in the front. It's so sad. Oh, no. uh, tiny dogs lose their teeth uh, sometimes. It's a, just a thing. Uh, don't at me. Um, All right, we, he, we, have a, we have a dentist appointment for him, uh, but it's in January. So I don't know what's going to happen. He might lose it before then. He's so, just he going to be one. in excruciating pain until then. Oh, and with that, and with that, I bid you. A I will very be an ex- fond, keep it appreciating pain until the next <laughs> episode of the Goody Lawrence podcast. Keep it wrong, Ben. Talk to you later. Bye, Paul. Bye. And we're clear. We're clear.